This is one book. How many of you have ever seen a book this big before? And uh, uh, what what has happened is um, I, I've not been in school for the last two years because of auditorium renovation. And so the book fund has been accumulating. And uh, what what I did was purchase something that I hope will be a blessing to our church as well as just one of these things this morning. I almost wanted to preach a whole point on this, but uh, kind of ran out of time on uh, uh, memorials or monuments that we have. This is what we call a facsimile or a reprint of the original 1611 King James Bible. In 1611, when the Bible was printed, it did not look much different than this book is here. In fact, the paper is exactly the same paper as was used in 1611. The only thing is different was that it was printed with modern process. But uh, if I went and took the 400-year-old Bible page off the wall and compared it to this, uh, except for the age stains and watermarks and things like that of an old page, you couldn't tell the difference. And uh, you say, well, why is that important? Uh, it, it is important because it's part of the history as to how God has preserved His Word. And what I wanted us to do tonight is spend a little bit of time, and, and I'm... Uh, I'm not going to just say anytime you want, but I'll, uh, if you are really interested in trying to read uh, Old English, it's not truly Old English, it's more uh, modern English with a Gothic type style, but uh, you can come over and make an appointment and we'll set you up on a table and you can actually touch this Bible and look at it, the, uh, the pages will last and, uh, and uh, it, is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, what I wanted to do tonight again is just take a few moments, and we hear a lot about Bible versions. This is going to be review for some of you, others it will be uh, new stuff, but uh, you go, how many of you have been into a Christian bookstore other than ours right here? Uh, you have to hunt to find a King James Bible. I mean, they usually are there somewhere, uh, but it's normally not uh, the nicest Bible on the shelf. It's not the one that everybody puts up for everybody to look at. And honestly, this is not part, it's just a note. One of the things that you need to watch in the new Bible versions that are out there, they are not so much worried about the text. It's somebody's notes that they have inserted in there along with the text. You can get the uh, John MacArthur Study Bible and uh, Henry Hubemeyer Study. I mean, everybody's got a Bible out there. And, uh, in fact, that's not a new thing. In 1611, when our Bible was translated, you know what the issue was? The Geneva Bible had John Calvin's notes in it. And... uh, the King of England had a real problem with those notes because they said there's no such thing as a king and there shouldn't be a king reigning over people and that's not really good news if you're the king. And so uh, the King James Bible was purposefully translated to make sure there was nobody's notes inserted in the text around or around the text 
so that people could read the Bible and, and not be governed by someone else's ideals. Now, here's how we get our text from which the Bible came. Most of you know the Bible was completed when John finished the book of Revelation somewhere around 100 A.D., He did not put a date on the original manuscript. And, of course, the original manuscript has been uh, uh, lost in antiquity. Anyone tells you they have the originals, they're lying. No one has originals of anything. All we have are copies of copies. Uh, That's about as close as we get. The Dead Sea Scrolls, the Scroll of Isaiah is one of the ones that they're looking at. It's still about 125 years or so removed from the original autograph. It probably would have been a copy of a copy of Isaiah's original writing. Our New Testament was preserved in the Greek language And by the way, no offense to our Greeks here tonight or Greek here tonight. uh, If you know how to speak Greek, you know almost nothing about the the New Testament Greek. I'm sure Frida will confirm this. It's about the same as going between English and Spanish. There's about a 12-15% overlap there. I remember meeting a Greek guy one time. He says, oh, I'm Greek. I know all the Bible. And... uh, I said, no, you don't. You don't know anything about it. You couldn't read it if I put it in front of you. He got a little upset at me. But the simple truth of the matter is, this is a picture of how it has come down. We have copies of the Greek text. We have translations and we have quotations. The Bible is the most quoted book in human history If every manuscript were destroyed and every copy of the Bible were removed from the face of the earth, we could go into the libraries of this world and reassemble our Bible from quotations in other people's works. I don't know of any other book in history that could make that claim other than the Word of God. And so... As we take these three things, we put them together, we compare them. Most of that work has been done. Now, what we're going to do is go to the second slide. And this is how all of our new Bibles come into being. Number one is we discard all the texts that agree with each other, which accounts for 95% of the evidence that make up the text for our King James Bible, we discount them because they agree with each other. Does that make sense to anybody? Because if it does, please sign up for counseling afterwards. You need it. Uh, It shouldn't make sense, but this is the primary linchpin of the Westcott and Hort approach, is we disregard all texts that agree because they make one voice. They must, therefore, obviously be copies of one original and that can't be the right one because they all agree then we go through here and we ignore the translations that agree with the majority of the manuscripts and we only use those that agree with 
the minority. The dissident manuscripts from which 154 of 155 English translations of the Bible come from make up less than 5% of the textual history of the Bible. We have 26,500 manuscripts that go from one or two verses to entire copies of our New Testament. Less than 5% of those manuscripts are what are used for all the modern translations. Now, as you look at this, uh, I tried to illustrate in our slides that one is the exact antithesis or opposite of the other. Let's go back to that first slide there, Brother Dave. We take our copies of the Greek text, our translations, our quotations. We take the agreement, we collate those, we compare those. We find agreement in 95% of the manuscripts and in a great majority of the most ancient translations and quotations. That gives us the text upon which our King James Bible's New Testament is based upon. Go to the second slide. All of your modern versions, we disregard the agreement of the 95%. We disregard old translations that agree with the text of our Bible. And we only use the quotations that tend to agree with what we're looking for. And if you can read that there, we reduce the Bible to less than 20 manuscripts under most work, less than five out of the 5,700 manuscripts of our New Testament. Now, let me ask you a question. Which one makes sense? Let's go to our next slide. Date is a big thing. You see, the traditional text has one great setback. Most of its manuscripts are new or much newer than the critical text. But if we go back to our original, and we won't go back to slide one, if we go back to our quotations and our translations, we find the traditional text is older than the critical text because here's the basic way it happens. We take a Bible, we use it, what happens to it? It wears out, does it not? Now, what if you couldn't go down to the bookstore and buy a new Bible? What would you do? Well, as soon as the first signs of wear would occur, you would begin the incredible process of having a new copy made by hand. How many of you would like to write out your Bible by hand so that you could read it? I don't see any hands going up. But that was the only option, 500 A.D. That was the only option in 1000 A.D. The printing press wasn't invented until the 1400s. And so what we do is we look into the translations and quotations and this gives us the date of the text from which the manuscript came from. The critical text or the, the new version text, here's what they do. 
we have a piece of paper that dates back to 350 A.D. As uh, the Vaticanus or the Sinaiticus does about that same time period. And so, therefore, we disregard all other information, all their quotations, because it's the oldest, it must be the best. No other research is necessary, and therefore, we take all of our translation based upon this text. Now, here's the only problem. We have some evidence that two of these five most ancient manuscripts are a set or part of the same group of manuscripts that were ordered by Constantine at the same time. The only problem is they disagree with each other more than our majority text does. But because they're older, they're the best. Now let me ask you, why would they have survived being so ancient? Could it be because no one used them? If you use something, what happens? It wears out. In fact, one of these was found in the kindling box at a monastery. They were cutting it up and using it to start fires. This was a text of the scriptures that was... Um, in a monastery where that was given to the preservation of ancient manuscripts. Why were they doing this? It was an unused and unreliable text. It was being destroyed because the monks in the monastery had no real use for it. It hadn't been used and they were getting rid of it. And Mr. Tischendorf found it and rescued God's word from the trash can. Does that, in keeping with the promises in God's word to preserve and to keep his word for us? No, it's not. So we come down to two more slides here. Here is the process of translation that was used in our King James Bible. Number one, words can be honestly, carefully, completely translated from one language to another. How many of you believe that? You see, words do mean something in spite of lawyers, amen? In spite of politicians, words do mean things. And word orders and structure of the original translations, copies, and quotations dictate the structure and message. I'm going to be the first one to tell you there's some phraseology in our King James Bible that is difficult to understand. But then again, may we remind ourselves that it is God's word and not our word. Amen. And that God sometimes allows a little difficulty in there just for the single, single, simple purpose of making you study a little more to understand it. Amen. And the end result should be a communication of the original in the new language of the translation. Uh, 
I want to challenge you that in the English language, there's only one Bible, that one text that we can have that completely study, follows this process without the addition of anything else, and that is your 1611 King James Bible. Now we'll deal with the new translation process. Our last slide here. I cannot remember how many times I've heard professors and quote-unquote scholars say, words cannot ever be honestly, carefully, and completely translated from one language into another. And you say, well, now wait a minute. Isn't that what they do every day of the session at the United Nations? Is they take messages from one language and they put them into 150 or 200 others simultaneously. I have had professors stand in the classroom and try to teach me that there are things in the Greek language that could not possibly ever be completely understood in the English tongue. Now, you guys that went to Heartland never had that problem. And uh, the only issue that I have, I do not have a Greek lexicon in print, but the Koine Greek lexicon, the the dictionary of the manuscripts from which our Bible came from will fit in one volume of a book not as big as your Strong's Concordance. My Oxford English Dictionary that the church so graciously purchased for me last year is 20 volumes, each one larger than the ardent Gingrich and Molten Greek lexicon, don't tell me that in 20 volumes you can't find words that are listed in one. Am, am, I, am, am I making that clear? Uh, the problem is the translators do not want words to be translated because they're not interested in words. Look at the next step. The words and the structures of the original need not dictate the structure of the message. It is the real thoughts of that original that are an important part of the translation. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do these, quote-unquote, real thoughts of the original writers come from? They're not recorded anywhere. They are interpretations of the translators. You see, what we are doing is we're no longer translating the Bible. We are paraphrasing the Bible. We are no longer just telling you what the words are contained in the manuscripts. We are giving you our thoughts and our ideas about those words. And so the end result will be a communication of the translator's thoughts and ideas in the new language according to the translator's. Now, how many of you want that kind of Bible? I'm just showing you what to do. I hope nobody here does. Uh, I want a Bible that has the words and the structure as it was written, whether it's hard to understand or not. I want those words brought into the language so that I have an honest and complete translation to do the study from. 
I do not want someone's interpretation. I just want the preserved words of God as he has chosen to preserve them. That's why we make a big deal about the King James Bible here. And that's also the reason why I ordered this book, is just to give you something to look at and to see. And I want something on my shelf. We can turn that off now, Brother Dave. Thank you. Um, I want something on... Don't turn that switch. That's the fan. But uh, you can just raise the screen. Um, I, I want something on my shelf here to remind me that what I have is the very words of God translated into the English language. Now, just a few moments and we'll be done. I hope this hasn't been too boring or too repetitive, but uh, something that we need to be reminded of. And, uh, and again, I would encourage you, uh, I'll have this on display anytime that is possibly available. We can set you up with a nice little table and a lamp in the chapel if you want to look through it. And, uh, but this is not the first Bible in the English language. The first translation into the English language, parts of the New Testaments, uh, a fellow named the Venerable Bede translated the Gospel of John about 735 A.D. Uh, King Alfred is supposedly to have translated some of the Psalms into English about 950. How many of you have ever tried to read Beowulf in the original? Uh, I'll tell you what, you can hardly recognize a word of it because that is Old English, the Old Anglo-Saxon. 1380 A.D., John Wycliffe translated the New Testament from the Latin into the English language. I can't remember 30 or 40 years after he was died after he had died the pope ordered his bones dug up and burned and the ashes cast to the four winds because of the great evil that he had done in putting the bible into the english language No God wants his people to read his word In 1534 William Tyndale completed uh, a translation, well, not quite, but, uh, yeah, completed a translation from the Greek and the Hebrew. It was printed in Germany, but it was illegal to own in England. He was burned at the stake in 1536 at the command of Henry VIII and the Archbishop of Canterbury. But I want you to understand that probably about 80, 90 percent of our King James Bible was based on Mr. Tyndale's work. It was just updated. And when we talk about updating, what we're talking about is spelling, is sometimes word order, and 
Wycliffe's translation, I mean, uh, Tyndale's translation and Wycliffe's were basically the work of one or two or three men. In 1539, we have the Kramer Bible. In 1560, we have one or two Englishmen in exile in Switzerland translating the Geneva Bible. 1562, the Catholics, in order to try to contradict an English Bible, came up with their own version called the Douay Reims after the two towns in which the Bible was Translated in, and in 1603, James I ascends to the throne, and he was trying to solidify his government. Now, King James believed in a state church called the Church of England for some strange reason, right? And what he was trying to do was to settle dissent. One of the leading causes of dissent among people who claimed to be Bible believers in his kingdom were John Calvin's notes, which were in the Geneva Bible. In fact, I've read articles. They just reprinted the Geneva Bible probably seven, eight years ago. And it said, the text of the Geneva Bible has been reprinted, but far more important than the text are Calvin's notes in the sidelines. Now, it didn't say that word for word, but that was the impetus of the thing. And King James was not necessarily any great lover of God, any great lover of the Bible, or any of these things. No, he was not a homosexual and all the other things. But he was one thing. He was honest when it came to the issue of the Bible version. And guess who did not participate in the translation? Uh, The king. Why is it called the King James Version? He was the one that commissioned it. You know how much public money was spent on the translation of the King James Bible? None. The the men, it would take nine years to translate this Bible from the originals into the English. We have 54 men, the most educated men in the history of the English language. Uh, I wish we had time, and I do have a copy of a book that if you would like to borrow called The Translators Revisited. If you would like to read about the lives of the men that translated our Bible, just to give you one little, uh, two little quick stories. One was a, um, one of the translators, they were teachers, professors at Cambridge and Oxford universities. His summer break was spent learning a new language. Now, how many of you speak more than one language in here today? How many of you think in more than one language? Okay, I saw one hand go up. You see, normally, I know a little bit of Spanish, and just enough to get in trouble, and a little bit of German I remember from high school. But here's the way it works. If there was any real problem... I hear it in the German, I take the German words, I put them into English, I think about it, and then I choose 
the German words to report back. That makes sense? Because it is very difficult to learn a language well enough to think in it. Now, if you grew up speaking one language in your home and lived here in the United States many years, you might, may think in English and in Greek uh, or in English and your mother tongue. That would not be a difficult thing to do. But this man's goal was to learn a language he had never learned before well enough to be able to think in that language. Every summer he would learn a new language in his off-season. See, he's a pretty smart guy. I'm not signing up to argue with him. And yet, people have criticized the translation of this book. More, I had a professor. Every class period in soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, he would bring up different mistranslations in our King James Bible. And one of the things that got me started on the Oxford English Dictionary was I would go, I would write down the word he said was mistranslated, the word from our Bible, and then I would write down the word that he said should have been put in its place. And I would go and look it up in my Oxford English Dictionary, and I would go down through the etymology and the history of the word, and you know what I found out? Almost without exception, the word that Dr. Terry was substituting for the King James Bible word was part of the definition of that word. You see, Dr. Terry was exceptional in his understanding of Greek and Hebrew. He was just a little lazy when it came to the English. illustrate this point, two of the translators happened to be in a service several years after this Bible was printed, and a young preacher chose to preach on the subject, unknown that two of the translators were sitting in his audience on a mistranslation of the King James Bible. His sermon was, eight reasons why the translators of the King James are wrong, and I don't remember the passage that was called into question. And uh, the two translators waited until everybody had left to be respectful toward the preacher and then explained to him, I think the actual quote was, what a waste of wind that message was. They said, because we took into account every one of your eight reasons that you were given, but we had 13 other reasons, much more powerful, why it should have been translated as we did it. And so if you're going to bring up those eight, we're thankful for your study. It's already been done, but uh, we had 13 other reasons why we did it the way we did. That depth of scholarship, I'm sorry, I, I just don't believe is available today in the English language. We have too many lawyers and politicians and people who do not care about the meaning of words. Therefore, I'm not looking to improve my Bible I'm looking to understand it. And that is the bottom rule. Yes, there are some things I must accept by faith. And I will put my faith in this Bible, in the English language, because the evidence is in that direction. No, I can't answer every question. And just one more point that I want to touch on if you read about this. Let me read this quotation. 
there have been an esti estimated 75,000 errors in the King James Bible. This was a quotation from Geisler and Nix, a general introduction to the Bible, page 442, quoted by Ron Minton, the making and the preservation of the Bible in the, in the year 2005. Now, when someone makes this claim to errors in the Bible... What they're basically talking about is printing errors. How many of you'd like to typeset by hand the million or so characters that make up your Bible? Anybody want to line? I mean, when they printed this Bible in 1611, the page was ba each page basically had to be hand-carved in reverse so that they could print that page. I don't believe movable type was available in 1611, was it, Peter? Okay, well, then you had to pick the type blocks out and put it in and clamp it in place. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you think there were errors in people picking out type blocks? And Yes, we have the He Bible, the She Bible. Uh, we have the Adultery Bible that left out not. When it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery, they left the word not out. And it said, Thou shalt commit adultery. Now, either we had a... I think that was 1637. I actually saw a website where you could buy a copy of the Adultery Bible if you wanted it. Uh, maybe Bill Clinton would be interested in that copy. I don't know. Um, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But the simple truth of the matter is, several years ago, a fellow named D.A. Waite in New Jersey took a facsimile copy, very similar to this one, only much smaller, and read through it page by page, as he played a tape of Alexander Scorby reading from a modern King James Bible. Here's a summary of his results. He found 421 changes in the entire text of the original 1611 to that of a modern Bible as read by the English actor Mr. Scorby. 285 of these 421 were a simple change in form of the words. 136 were actually changed words. Of the 791,328 words in your King James Bible, that gives us a percentage of change of 172 millionths of 1%. And none of the changes can affect one major doctrine that we believe. I would say, based upon the evidence, that you can trust your King James Bible as it is printed. You don't have to learn to read the old Gothic text of the 1600s. 
you'll notice, the first thing you'll notice is unless the letter S comes at the end of a word, it looks like an F. How many of you have ever been noticed that the double U looks like a double V? Has anybody ever noticed that? Well, that was because in the 1611, when you look in here, the U's are V's and the V's are U's. I don't know who's responsible for switching that, but somewhere along the line they did. And it makes sense to me, but a double U, which looks like a double V, is still a double U because that was the original form of the letters. What we need to do in closing tonight is to read and study our Bible. Don't worry about the commentaries. Let the Bible be its own commentary. Amen? It takes a lot more effort, as we have gone through in the past, how to study your Bible. It takes a lot more effort to chase words through the Bible and get biblical definitions. But I'll tell you, it's worth the effort. You must compare Scripture with Scripture. Please don't raise your hand, but how many of you are keeping up with your Bible reading schedule? If you're not, if you need one, Peter, we still have some copies, don't we? Huh? We got plenty. Get one and start today. Read your Bible. It's the only key. You've got to be familiar with the Scriptures if you want God to help you understand what they say. But I can challenge you. I met a preacher several years ago. He said, I read through the Bible once a month. I've done that every, uh, every month for the past ten years. But it certainly didn't help him much. He was one of those rock and roll for Jesus types, and we change everything to meet society. Listen, if the Bible doesn't change the way you live, I don't believe you have a very good understanding of the Scriptures. It takes more than just reading. That's why God made a church. And our church, by God's grace... We are in our 20th year. Our 20th anniversary will be in October. And all has ever been attempted from this pulpit knowingly and by God's grace is to help people understand and to live the words of this book called the Bible. And all God's people said, let's pray. Damn the